Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. I am in the third part starting today in our um, vision, in our motto, in our um, in our series that we're doing in the Reach Forward, um, Reach Up, I'm sorry, Reach Up, Reach Forward, Reach Out series. Um, I'm so excited about it. This will be the last of this three series message. It's been going on for probably a couple of months now. Um, the reason I'm so excited about it is I really wanted to take this opportunity at the end of our first year as a church, amen. I wanted to really infuse and pump our vision into you guys to give you an idea of what we're all about, what we believe, what we teach, why we tick, amen. So this is the last part. We spoke about reaching up. Everybody say reach up and reaching forward. But now we're getting into the reaching out part. That's getting outside of the four walls of the church. Amen. Getting outside of our comfort zone because we can have a great time in the Lord's presence, but if it doesn't go out there, it's not going to change a city. And Jesus's heart, God's heart is for the nations of the world, our cities, our workplaces, our friends, our neighbors. And so we got to take what we learn in here and experience in here and we have to take it out there. Amen. Look at somebody and say, take it out there. Take it out there. Um, I thought about this. This whole reach up is about being, right? It's not that we're doing or working towards something. We have to discover at some point in our life that we are just that. We are Christians. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's all about being. Say being. And then reaching forward is about reaching into our purpose, our calling, our destiny, what God has called us to. Each and every one of us have a calling, whether you feel it or whether you've discovered it or not yet. Somebody say Yet. We have a calling upon our lives. The reason, there's a reason that God put us here specifically. There's something that you are called to add to humanity to usher in and to help usher in God's second coming. Amen? But that's all about doing, right? Discovering. And then this reaching out part is all about duplication. Somebody say duplication. So we want to duplicate what God's done in our own lives. We don't want to just reach up and have an intimate relationship with him and keep it to ourselves. We don't want to just enter our purpose and our calling and keep that to ourselves. We want to duplicate and help somebody else reach that same experience. Amen? So before I get into it, I want to read uh, this particular scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. And I know you guys hear me say this all the time, but if you do not have a Bible... Or if it's not on your phone, I want you to come see me after service. I will personally buy you a Bible. May I say this and give this little prerequisite? There are things that are not only about to happen in the nation, but there's things happening in our own personal lives. And when the onslaught of the enemy comes, we must know the word of God for ourselves. This has to be a part of our daily spiritual diet. So when the, all this stuff hits the fan, you are ready for the enemy. Jesus didn't fight with his hands when the enemy came. He said, thus, it is written. Everybody say, it is written. So we must be scripture readers and students of the word of God for ourselves. Amen? Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. I love this portion of scripture. This is the Beatitudes. This is where Jesus is on this. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's where Jesus gives uh, this huge sermon that's really, really famous. It's Matthew uh, chapter 5 through chapter 8. But we're just going to read verse 13 through 16 of chapter five, and it says this. You are the salt of the earth. Everybody say, you are. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, 
How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to minister from a subject called salt shakers. I want you to grab somebody. Don't grab them too hard because you might leave. I might have to pray for you after service for healing. Don't, don't shake them too hard, but just grab them by the arm a little bit and just shake them just a little bit. Salt shakers. For the past 35 years, um, I have watched my mother collect these salt shakers. Now, I must say, yes, these are salt shakers. You see the salt on top? I must say that these only consist of about 1% of the salt shakers that my mom has collected. Aunt Jenny, if I am telling the truth, will you just raise your hand and let them see that I'm telling the truth? When you walk into my mother's home, we have this holy grail of a armoire. It is a big, huge cabinet. Look how she's looking at me. She's wondering where I'm going to go with this. She doesn't know what I'm going to say or do. It's this huge armoire that is, you know, three or four times as large as, as this um, cart on wheels. And it consists of all salt shakers. And so... <laughs> She's looking at me. She's probably going to kill me when I'm done. When I was a kid, if you were to get near this Holy Grail, if you don't know what the Holy Grail is, like the Ten Commandments, when they were broken, it was put in the Ark of the Covenant, and they would carry it, and the presence of God dwelt over it. So anytime you would get next to Mom's Holy Grail, you were going to get your head bit off, and she was going to send you to heaven early if you didn't give, you know, take two steps back. When you walk in the house, you got this armor that's full of these salt shakers, but not, it doesn't stop there. All of the walls in the hallway, you know, maybe it's not the hallway, maybe it's some in the kitchen, maybe some in the, you know, the family room, and it's got you know, shelves with all these salt shakers because she's run out of room in the Holy Grail or the armor. And so she probably has close to a thousand pair, okay, pairs. Maybe I'm overshooting a little bit, but not much. There's a whole lot of them. I got really disappointed the other day. I'm, I'm in the house, and my son Cohen, who's seven, opens the Holy Grail, and I'm smirking. I'm about 10 feet away from him because I know better. And I'm smirking, and I'm going to watch him get his head bit off by Nana. And, oh, things have changed over the 30 <laughs> years. He attempts to start playing with these salt shakers like G.I. Joe's, and I'm giggling inside, and I'm thinking Nana's going to get him. And I say, so, Mom, you're not going to say anything to him? And she says, oh, no, honey, let him play with those salt shakers. <laughs> what? Why did you put us through all that? I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Almost a 1,000 pairs of those things. Aren't they cute? I've heard this text preach preached many, many times, probably hundreds of times. Um, and it usually consists or is centered around evangelism. Somebody say evangelism. 
You usually are inspired through a message like this to be the salt of the earth. You know, go out on the streets on a street corner somewhere, stand on a box with a microphone, or at least just lift your voice and evangelize the city or the neighborhood and win people for Christ. And I think all those things are amazing. Maybe just go out on a Friday night and go downtown outside all the clubs and evangelize, you know, downtown and get them saved or go into your workplace and be the salt and light, you know, be a salt shaker and be a light bulb. We want to win our generation. And I think all those things are great. Maybe we should really let people really see our light shine and maybe rent out maybe one of the stadiums and turn the world upside down Friday through Saturday and we'll really be a nation shaker then. But I, but I, I want to take a different turn. I, I don't want to deal with necessarily outside of the church as far as evangelism um, um, in large groups or numbers of people. I want to start in a little bit more of an intimate place. I, I want to talk about us personally being salt shakers because I see a whole lot of people going out and evangelizing or maybe trying to let their light so shine before men, but they're not really salty. I think Salt is a whole lot quieter than that. It doesn't really make that kind of noise. I heard it said like this, preach the gospel everywhere you go, but use words only when necessary. I'll give you an example. This past week, I've been working for a couple of months on a really large project, and I have not professed my faith one time, and I've done that intentionally. I try to give the opportunity of my client to see the light or taste the salt versus me having to tell them. Amen? And so I'm standing out on his front porch. These people are probably borderline millionaires. They definitely have a whole lot of money. Um, Beautiful home. They have huge movie theater, three stories. It's just amazing on a lakefront, travertine, stone floors, just, just a beautiful, beautiful home. And he comes to me, and it's been a difficult project to say the least, but it's been an amazing experience, and plus they pay well, so they've made it worth my headache. To make the long story short, he stood there and proceeded to tell me that, hey, listen, based on the difficulties I know that you're experiencing, I do not want you to leave. A couple of contractors have walked out on us, and I just say, you know, I'm really sorry about this experience for you, and really, the project really hasn't bothered me too much with the exception of a couple hurdles that we've had to make, but that's nothing different. Um, You know, over the past 17 years, we've experienced lots of difficulty on projects, but here's what I said to him. I said, I don't know if you've noticed yet, but we don't work unto men. And he starts crying. And I didn't know that he was a believer. And that was enough said. He just started crying and he just grabbed my hand and just shook my hand. And I thought, that's what it's all about. Letting your light shine. Like let, let, your, let your salt be tasted through your work ethic. When you show up to work, are you the last one to punch in? And the first one to leave, I'm talking about being, I'm talking about a quiet salt shaker. Somebody, I'm all for shaking a nation. I'm all for winning the city. I'm all for winning the world. That's Jesus's main goal. But how about we start in the most personal, private parts of our lives and then let when we're faithful with the little be made ruler over the much thing. Are you faithful over your job? Are you faithful in your marriage? Are you faithful in your finances? Are you faithful with reading the word of God yourself on a daily basis on your own? Amen? Somebody say salt shaker. If we're going to truly affect 
Our lives, our community, our workplace, and even the world, there are certain attributes that each believer has to carry within themselves if we are really truly going to be salt and light in the earth, if we're really going to be salt shakers. Amen? I want you to, um, I want you to grab your Bibles. I want you to keep your finger right there at Matthew, because I want to go back there in just a moment. But before I do, I want to challenge you with this. You may be thinking this right now. I am trying to get my own personal life together. And that's probably true. Before I go out and I shake a nation or before I go out and minister to my neighbor, I need to get my intimate relationship with Jesus down pat first, right? And that really does sound holy. And let me tell you something. I have thought that garbage for almost 15 years of my life. I want you to just hear me for a moment. Because oftentimes we think that we can't be used by God until our marriage is right. I can't, I can't be used by God unless I read my Bible every single day. I'm not going to be used by God unless I pray and I fast every other week. I used to think that trash. But that is not the absolute truth. Here is the real truth. When you begin to answer God's needs and begin to answer the cry of God's heart and ministering to other people, God has a, God has a way of supernaturally beginning to, to begin to meet your needs based on you meeting his first. And so oftentimes we sit in our funk and we sit in our garbage and we wait for God to heal us and we won't go out there and do anything. But then 10 years passes by, 5, 10 years, 15 years passes by and God doesn't move on our behalf is because we're actually operating in selfishness, not, trying, not being holy, right? We're operating in selfishness and we, it comes off as being holy. I just want to make sure I'm right with God. I want to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm perfect before I actually can minister to someone else. But the truth of the matter is, is when you step outside of yourself and begin to meet God's heart and do what the scripture says, let me ask you this. Are you so special that God still has to, has to go out of his way to tell you to go? He already said, go, go preach the gospel to all the nations. Are you so special that God has to come out of heaven in glory and say, go again? He's already said it once, and if he said it once, he meant it, amen? And when we obey that command and step out of our selfishness and we go meet somebody else's needs where we have need, we will supernaturally see God begin to move on our behalf because whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So if you are lonely, go visit somebody else who is lonely and watch God make you unlonely by making you a friend that sticks closer than a brother. If you are in need of finances, go out and bless somebody with a $20 bill or a $50 bill and make sure that their bills are paid or what have you. Do whatever you can do and then watch God do what only he can do. When we step outside of our selfishness, God has a way to meet us where we need him the most. Because the reason God doesn't bless us when we're doing things on our own and for our own selfish gain is because he don't want to teach us that selfishness is okay because it's not okay. The believer is called a believer because we are to follow Christ's model. He came to give all of himself. God so loved that he gave. He gave every bit of it. Ask to give to him who has need, right? So we as salt shakers, if we're truly going to be salt in the earth, we have to become tasteful people. We have to become tasteful people. Amen. And there are a few qualities of salt that I want to give you this morning. I don't have my timer up in the back, so I don't really know where we're at, but I will try to be. Hallelujah. It's 1117. Thank you so much. There are certain qualities that flavor exudes that the life of the believer is also to portray. 
And I want you to write these four things down if you're taking notes. And if you have a pen or paper that you can grab, I want you to take notes this morning. Amen? Something about writing it down. Number one, flavor. Everybody say flavor. Whether you know it or not, your life, when you walk into a room or into your workplace, your life puts off a certain flavor. Where is that scripture at, preacher? In Matthew chapter 5, in the Message Bible, I challenge you to look it up. It, it, it lays it out beautifully. It says it like this. Let me tell you why you are here. This is why you're here. You're not here in this church. Let me, I just, I just, I want to bust your bubble just, just a tiny bit. Can pastor bust your bubble just a little bit? You are not here to just personally grow, although that's a part of it. You are not just here so that you can get encouragement. Oh, y'all aren't saying nothing to me this morning. You are here to get equipped and grow in the word of God so that God can show you why you've been put here. And it's much more and goes way beyond you just growing in your own little bubble. Amen? Whether you know it or not, let me tell you this. Let me tell you why you're here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost, if you've lost your usefulness and you will end up in the garbage the whole reason God put you and I here on this earth was to add a dash of flavor from heaven. Sharon, please help me this morning. We need about six more people like Sharon in the room. What do people taste when they encounter you? Do they encounter a selfish person or do they encounter a Jesus person? This might bust your bubble or this may freak you out. When people encounter you, they should be encountering Jesus because it may be the only opportunity that the gospel could be shared in that moment. Are people tasting love? Are they tasting selflessness? Are they tasting generosity? Are they tasting a person that can care, that cares for them? Or are they tasting somebody who's selfish, somebody who doesn't have time for them, somebody who turns their back on them? What do people taste when you show up. Well, if you don't know me personally on a personal level, those of you who do know I really love food. I know you can't tell. I really love food. No, I, no, I really love food. Like you need to pray for me. Seafood is one of my, my favorites. Okay. So those of you who don't like seafood, that's just, you, you just don't know any better. I really love um, lobster, snow crab, even oysters. The other day I was eating these oysters and I actually bit into, um, I've, I've been into several um, pearls. So I really, that's something I really enjoyed. My, my dad and my mom ruined me when I was younger because by the age of six months old, they were putting me up on this oyster bar and like feeding me. So they really ruined me. So if I could afford it, I would eat five, you know, I would eat seafood, you know, five days a week, lobster, snow crab, you name it. And so um, I really, really enjoy going out to eat. I love filet mignon. Don't get me wrong. I love ribeye steaks. I'm a meat eater as well, chicken. I have a grill on my back porch. I actually have two of them now. So I really love, I really love food. So me and my wife, I'm, I'm not a big spender, not by any stretch. I'm actually pretty frugal. <laughs> my mom will say amen to that. 
I'm frugal about everything except certain things, right? And one of those certain things is food. And so when me and my wife plan to go out to eat, I like to eat quality food. I enjoy going to really nice restaurants. Like you will not see me spend thousands of dollars on technical gadgets or instruments or anything like that. You will see me spend my, if you look at my, you know, my, my bills, you'll, food is probably at the, at, the, at the top of the list. My biggest expenditure is where I need to cut the most. And there's, there's, there's nothing more frustrating when I go out to a restaurant and I order, let's say, a ribeye steak or order a really expensive seafood meal. There's nothing more frustrated when I see it steaming hot coming out. I've planned my whole week around this date night to go eat, and then it comes out, and it tastes really, really poorly. Either they've over-seasoned it or under-seasoned it. And in that moment, I get unsaved up here. <laughs> In that moment, I, for a moment, I, I want to go like, you know, go those back doors. You know how you go into a kitchen, there's swinging doors. I picture myself for about 30 seconds, drop kicking those two doors, those two doors flinging open and me going up to the chef and, you know, telling him about himself because he's either over seasoned it or under seasoned it. The worst thing that trumps that is it, it, it really, really bothers me when I see a believer who walks like a Christian talks like a Christian, has a, has a symbol that they wear around their neck or on their wrist, it looks like a fish. They walk and they talk like it, but they don't taste like it. They, they, they say they love Jesus. They go to church on Sunday, but if, my friend, if that is the only thing that labels you a Christian and I wouldn't recognize you from anything else outside of these doors, my friend, we have to question, maybe not our salvation, but we have to we have to, to, to maybe question whether or not we are salty or not. So one of the main qualities of a believer that they should exude is that they should be flavorful believers. Flavorful. Everybody say flavorful. Flavorful. When the presence of the Holy Spirit hits the believer's life, and that's why we like to spend time in God's presence during worship. That's why I was having you guys linger a little bit, Matt and Kelly leaning us in worship. It's because when you spend time in God's presence, believe it or not, he's seasoning you. <laughs> he's seasoning. He's putting his presence inside of you so that you can go be salt and light into a dark and dying world. Amen? So that when people experience you, you remember when Moses was coming down the mountain? He didn't even know he was burning bright, but they had to put a, put a bag over his face because he spent time in God's presence. They couldn't even look upon him. His face was burning bright. He was spending time, 40 days with God. He comes down the mountain and they couldn't look upon Moses. So they put this bag over his head. When you spend time with God, he puts his presence in you. He puts his power in you so that when you go out there, people should recognize the Jesus Christ on the inside of you without you having to say, yes, I go to church. That's how people identify whether they're a Christian or not. They don't say, hey, do you follow Jesus anymore? They don't say things like that. They simply say little cliche words like this. Do you go to church? They don't say, hey, do you carry the torch of the Lord? Hey, they don't, they, don't, they don't recognize that we are salty. And if you simply have to use a cliche word of, I go to church, do you go to church? I feel that's a cop out. Amen? We should be salt and light that are flavorful people that when people get around us, they just can't, they don't know what it is about you. You don't have to quote this scripture to them. When I work with clients, my whole goal is to not tell them I'm a Christian, but I love for them to ask me what I'm all about when I leave the project. Amen. Because no matter where you're at, I don't care if you're in a pew or you're in a, you're in a back room being a janitor somewhere, you should be salt and light to the world around you. Amen. Amen. 
point number two. I'm gonna go somewhere. Salt preserves. Salt preserves. You know, before, um, well, I'm not able, they, they used to tell me I couldn't eat oysters in the months that had R's in them. They used to have R's in them. Did that make sense to anybody? It didn't make sense to me, and I started wondering why. It's because they said you don't want to eat the oysters in the warm months because all the months with the R in them, you know, January, February, you know, March, all those earlier months were colder. But, but that used to be years ago when those ships didn't have um, built-in ice makers and ice machines. They would actually use salt to keep their produce or their, their meats cold. And so, so I, was think, I was thinking about this um, earlier this week how we are called to preserve the earth in the natural, not only just in the spiritual. I remember when I first got saved, something began to happen in my heart. Every time, this is the weirdest thing, you guys are gonna laugh at me. Like I see two pieces of trash right here on the floor and it bothers me. It, it, it does. There's something in me when I'm driving and I'm driving behind someone and I see them throw something out of the window, either they're smoking cigarettes and they throw that out the window or they take their cup and they throw it on the side of the road. I cannot tell you how much that bothers me. In those moments, I wish I was an Orange County police officer because they would sure get their $500 ticket. And, and I think about this, like it should be God given and almost natural for us to want to preserve the earth because we're believers. This is God's creation. Amen? And we should take care of it so that the future generations can enjoy what God has made. Amen? And so when I first got saved, things like that would really bother me still to today. If, if someone's calling my name and I'm walking, like an, it's like my eyes are like a magnet to piece of, pieces of trash, and I'll pick it up, and I'll throw it away. And Cohen is starting to do the same thing as I'm kind of training him, if you will. And so I was thinking about uh, Steve Irwin, who's one of my favorite conservationists. How many know who Steve Irwin is? AKA crocodile hunter. My friends laugh at me because I sent them a video not too long ago. You guys are going to laugh at this. I, there's this eight foot alligator and Joel is with me. He's like, pastor, what are you doing? And I grabbed this alligator by, by the tail. It's out in the middle of, middle of nowhere. Everybody's looking at him. Look at everybody's eyes are about that big. I grew up, you know, camping and hiking and fishing. And so I have a real knack for it. So I'm thinking about Steve Irwin, and when he would talk, it would be like he's preaching the gospel at you. He'd just simply be talking about preserving the earth, you know, taking care of the ecosystem and how important it is, how important animal conservation is, and I still watch him to today. Um, he's an amazing, amazing man, and I think about my uncle who has a green thumb. He's not here today. He loves planting trees. If you go to his house, it almost looks like Mason and Jordan in the back. It's got plants and trees and shrubs. And I thought to myself, God put that in humanity because there, you either love nature and you, and you have a green thumb, and there's some of you who don't. But if you don't love you know, being out in the garden and having a green thumb and planting and, and you know, trimming and all that stuff, you probably more than likely love enjoying seeing mountains and valleys. And, you know, so there's got to be somebody who enjoys it, but there has to be that person that God causes to rise up to take care of it, right? If you're going to enjoy it. But either way, God put that desire in our hearts to preserve. And you know, I thought about this. How about we apply it spiritually? The reason Jesus came and made disciples was to preserve a legacy that Jesus created. When Jesus was walking those three years in ministry, do you know what Jesus was creating? He was preparing 12 salt shakers. 
Jesus was ensuring that when I leave this earth, when he left this earth, he's like, when I leave this earth, I need to ensure that the gospel that I am preaching, the gospel and the kingdom that I'm establishing is going to be preserved for hundreds and thousands of years so that the gospel would never go away. And we as believers, one quality of salt that we are to carry is to be preservers of the gospel, preservers of the truth of God's word and to never water it down. I have news for people on podcasts and for everybody in this building. The gospel will never change. We will never evolve into something else or evolve into another way of thinking. This, this gospel that's being preached is this other gospel that Jesus was talking about. This other gospel that is, you can live with who you want to and do what you want to do and sleep around and your gender is up to you. All this false gospel that is being preached, this word will never change. Holiness will always, always be on God's priority list. Truth will always be God's priority for his creation. So we're not going to, the only thing we're going to evolve into is being conformed more and more into the image of Jesus, becoming more and more holy, becoming more and more consecrated, becoming more and more salty, becoming more and more gospel nation shakers. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. It says it right here in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke. Take, take, take note of that. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Go therefore. That's what the therefore is. He's saying, go therefore and make salt shakers. Excuse me, it didn't say that. It said, go therefore and make disciples. But for the theme's sake, just follow me. Go therefore and make salt shakers of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. The gospel was given to us to preserve and further the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We're not only to be called salt shakers, but we're also called to be salt makers. Amen? Salt shaker makers. That's why he said, oh, that rhymes. Salt shaker makers. We are called to develop and disciple people so that Jesus' legacy can be established for hundreds of years to come. Amen? So that the gospel can continue to be preached until every ear hears. Everybody okay this morning? Number three, salt is a healing agent. Salt is a healing agent. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a healing agent. Whether you believe it or not, God has called you to be a healer of this world, be it in your own family, when you're raising your children, whether it's healing their own hearts from their own hurts or help heal your husband or for your husband to heal the wife. It doesn't matter. At some degree, God has called us all to be salt. And if he's called us to be salt, he called us to be healing agents. And this this theory or this idea is not new. It's been used for thousands and thousands of years. I think about my friends, uh, Sean and Chantel, they, they had a house and I was just asking them, you know, to, uh, about a pool, right? I wanted a pool. I finally have one. Thank the Lord. I've wanted one for my, for forever. And, and, and I was wondering the difference between chlorine pools and salt pools. And I started, as I started asking questions and going around and asking people, they're doing away to a huge degree with, with chlorine pools because they're figuring out after years and years and years, it is uh, actually harmful to the skin over long periods of time because salt promotes healing. Have you ever gone to the beach for hours on end and maybe you had this little surface scab on your arm or on your elbow or knee and then after you got out of the water, you, it just looks like a little scar is there because the salt 
had healing agents in it and promoted healing to that wound or to that area. We as believers, when we step into a room or there is someone around us who is hurting, who is in need of Christ, we are to be so salty that we bring healing about to people's minds, their hearts, and their bodies, I might add. Who cares if they don't get healed right away? Still pray anyway. Amen? I'd like to say this, that healing is progressive. Say progressive. Miracles happen in a moment. Either way, God's going to heal them. He just may not heal them on the spot. That's a healing. A miracle will happen instantaneously. But we are called to be healers. God has built us to be salt shakers to the nation providing healing to people who desperately need it. And that, that, may, that may have something to do with a broken marriage or sickness in someone's body. Salt to heal the church. Come on. From the sickness of their apathy. Come on. When, when we're sitting up there clapping and we're just trying to stir the Holy Spirit up, listen, I'm not waiting to be moved by the Spirit of God. If it, I'm going to stir him up if he's not going to stir me up. And what that does is when I stir God up or he stirs me up or it's vice versa, guess what we're becoming? We're becoming salt shakers as, as conduits so that the Holy Spirit can move through us to bring healing to whoever's in the room who's hurting. And it may not be physically. There could be, there's, you would, you'd be surprised if I asked somebody to raise their hand and said, who's hurting in your heart? Don't raise your hand. Who's hurting in their heart? Who's hurting in their mind? You may be okay when you go in here, but when the lights go out, that's the real, that's the real revealer. Amen? And we are called as salt shakers to be healers to people. The question is not whether or not you're a salt shaker. And no, I want you to notice this, that salt shakers come in various sizes, shapes, and colors. There's preachers up there. There's janitors up there. There's a homemaker there. There's a mother there. There's a wife there. They're all come in different shapes and sizes. And you don't have to be a pastor or a preacher or a minister to be salty. You just have to be full of Jesus. Amen? To be a salt shaker. I had to give that little prerequisite there. But the question is not whether or not you're a salt shaker. The question is whether or not you're going to use what's already in you. The thing about those salt shakers, and this is no offense to my mom because she collects them, they're actually useless other than her just being able to look at them and enjoy them. And the problem with that is, is that most people, most Christians are just like that. They sit on the shelf and they collect dust and they say they're lovers of Jesus. They say they're followers of Jesus, but all they're doing is collecting spiritual dust. They're not shaking on anyone. They're waiting someone to put salt in them. But they're not going out and taking the time to add salt to somebody else's life, to add some flavor to somebody else's life, to add some healing to somebody else's life, to add some preservation to somebody else's life. I am so sick and tired of people waiting for someone to fill me. Come fill me. All we have to do is get in God's presence ourselves, lay, lay hold of the horns of the altar, and ask God to fill us with heavenly salt so that we can go out there and shake a nation, shake a home, shake a community, shake a school, shake my marriage. Come on. Amen. For too long, I've sat and read the Bible. Go ahead. I didn't hear that. I love it. I love it. For too long, I've read the scriptures about what salty lives look like. For too long, Rebecca and Ben, I've read about these revivals. For too long, I've read these scriptures where Peter's shadow healed the sick and they would get up. For too long, I've been reading about this stuff. I wonder what would happen 
if we all got salty enough to where we shook a neighborhood. I wonder what would happen to our schools if we awaken to the fact that God has put some salt on the inside of me. I wonder what would happen if we stopped waiting around for something crazy just to happen in me and I just started going doing the gospel instead of waiting on the gospel to happen to me. Something happened so special when we were in Guatemala, and I think it's because our hearts were postured to be in a giving posture. And so God began to just work amazingly and miraculously. And then we come here, it's almost like a crash when you come back from a third world, right? Have you experienced that? When you just, you're on this high, and we all talked about it. We were on the plane on the way back coming over. We're like, man, I do not want to crash from this. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. But I was thinking to myself, and that's almost kind of what happened. I go over there, and these people are hungry. Everywhere we went, something happened, right, Chantel? Everywhere we would go, something supernatural would happen. It's like God waited for us to go, not wait. He doesn't sit with sitters. He goes with goers. And so that's what God is waiting for us to do is go out and be a salt shaker over this neighborhood, over this nation. And so as we're talking about, you know, reaching out, that's what we have to do. We have to first stir that gift up on the inside of us, right? Stir that salt up, get it waking back up and go out there and do something. Some people may walk in here in the morning, and I mean this with all, all, all respect, because I've thought it. Lord, when are you going to grow this church physically? Well, you know, numbers, because that's what we're after. We're after people. But as of late, I've been like, Lord, just grow me. Grow me. And, and I also thought to myself, it's not up to the shepherd to duplicate the sheep. And this is what my friend told me the other day. It was a, it was a couple of months back. It was Ronnie. I'm going to tell on him. He said, it's not up to the shepherd to duplicate the sheep. It's up to the sheep to duplicate the sheep. I thought that was so wonderful. It's up to the shepherd to feed the sheep. And so you guys go get them, bring them in here, and I'll feed them. Is that a deal? Is that a deal? So that's when the church will grow is when you go out and I go out and when we're at 7-Eleven pumping our gas and seeing someone else sitting over there and struggling, you know, putting $5 in their tank and you going out of your way and helping someone and sowing a seed and saying, hey, this is the church where, you know, we, we attend. This is where we worship God together on Sunday. Little gestures like that. You'd be surprised how long that would go. Amen. Look at somebody and say, be a salt shaker. And as I close. Number four, salt creates thirst. There's a reason that when you go to a, um, I don't know, I just, I, I think about just different facilities you go to, a lunchroom, for instance, there's always the chip vending machine and right next to it is a drink machine. And they do that on purpose because they know if you eat enough sodium, it will make you thirsty. I have a question for you this morning. Is your life creating thirst in other people's lives for the more of God? When people taste your life, when you walk into a room, because they're tasting, they see you, right? Just like you see other people. You put off something. You put off flavor. You put off a thirst. What kind of a thirst are you giving them? Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. 
interested in hearing more, check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.